Uh, so welcome in, everybody. This is Forging the Falcons on our regular scheduled time, Wednesdays at 9 a.m. We also do Mondays at 8.45, and I've got an addition on Fridays now. The time may vary because it will be a guest, but the new show will be Behind Enemy Lines, where I bring in a guest from the other team. So this week, I have Kyle Mosley joining me at 2 o'clock Eastern, just right after lunch. Uh, and you can watch On Demand Everything, and he covers uh, the New Orleans Saints. Good friend of mine, great dude. Uh, we have some friendly banter, nothing nothing too crazy. I've said before, I don't, I don't take it very well, so I don't dish it out. But, you know, if there's anybody that the Falcons can talk trash against in this world, it's usually the Saints. That's about it. Uh, maybe the Buccaneers, but hell, that's even going away. So on that note, uh, my co-host on this side over here, Nick Kendall, welcome in. He's from Seattle. I'm in Atlanta. We are coast to coast today. So how are you doing this morning, Nick? I'm doing pretty well. It's the last day without NFL football, so I am jonesing, excited for the game tomorrow. I mean, I'm, I'm excited. I'm I'm very much a day-by-day person. I look ahead, too, but trying to live in the moment. And just the fact that we get Buffalo versus Los Angeles Rams tomorrow, I am I'm vibing. I cannot wait. That's going to be such – I hope it's a good game. On paper, it looks like a great game. And uh, I guess I'm also looking forward to that game because it's keeping me from Saturday where Iowa plays Iowa State, and I'm begrudgingly going to watch that one. Yeah, we, uh, you know, it's kind of nice we get to, to get in here. And as uh, it usually takes a little bit longer for the Facebook algo bots to, to kick in and, and invite some people in. So as you come in, um, hit that like button and say hello. Um, we do want to say hello to some folks in the chat real quick. Clee is in here. He says, good morning. Dylan Van Arks uh, says, good morning, y'all. Um, and uh, I mentioned it must be, you know, one more day. It must mean we have uh, real football tomorrow. And Dylan says, yep, that's glorious. Roderick Cook coming in said, hey, Scott, always like catching you live. Uh, well, like like it when you're here when we're live. So we appreciate it. And says, uh, you know, Thomas Tuchel gone. He was the manager of Chelsea. Yeah, I don't want to. That's the big news in my world. <laughs> mm-hmm. I don't want to get into that too much. But uh, real quick, I just kind of wanted to say that we were going to find out the big difference between uh, the, the previous owner, Roman Abramovich, who had a hair trigger and spent a lot of money, and the new owner, who has spent a lot of money. And this was a rough patch for Chelsea, and Tuchel was gone right away. So, so far, no difference at all. So, um, but we can get in that in comments and everything. If you want to talk, if you want to talk football with me, you can hit me up on my, uh, my Twitter account, which is just Scott Kennedy FC. I've got about, got a bunch of followers there. It's a pretty active account, actually. Ethan is back. Welcome back, Ethan. Ethan, the DWI guy saying good morning, gents. Spent some time in the U.S. and now is back in London where this news is, is going, uh, you know, this is this is worldwide news is the Chelsea thing. It's just not American news, and it's definitely not football news. So what was football news, Nick, is um, the Atlanta Falcons signed a big guy, and, you know, guess where he had played previously? Yes, the Chicago Bears. Um, I joked on Twitter also that I just have former Chicago Bears player in my clipboard, so all I have to do is hit Control-V, just copy and paste. It saves time when I'm typing out articles. Um but we had lamented about the size in the trenches before that seems to have been fixed on a big, you know, we don't know if these guys can play, um, but they certainly have some size. Anthony rush is three sixty. Um, Timmy horn is three twenty. uh, undrafted rookie making the team. And now here comes Kairos Tonga at about 340 pounds. Um, 26 years old, first year guy last year, got some starts with the bears, and I know you knew about him from when he was coming out of college, so I'm just kind of interested in your thoughts on him. Yeah, Kyrie's Tonga, uh, older prospect coming out of BYU, uh, Samoan or something of that nature. Uh, don't know the specifics, but an older player, no doubt, and massive. Uh, 6'5", about 320, 325 pounds. And just because of his mass, hard to move at the point of attack. Now, BYU is not playing SEC players in the trenches. They're not even playing Big Ten players in the trenches for the most part. But uh, he stood out to me there. Not too much pass rushing juice. Uh, Had the ability to get some, you know, bursts off the snap if he could overwhelm somebody, but not many moves, so to speak. And while he's big, and I've had (laughs) arguments with buddies about this, you know, dating back to high school, just talking football. um, 6'5", sometimes he can 
be out leveraged, uh, has a hard time getting low despite his mass. And he can stall because he's so big and long, but that's not a, that's not enough. Low man wins in football. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're seeing that more and more. It's not enough just to be big. You need to be athletic enough and balanced enough to win low. And he doesn't always have that. But like I said here in this tweet, uh, day three and no tackle prospect dating back in God, what day was this tweet at September 18th, 2019, uh, mm-hmm. Kyrie's Tonga, Ben yep. Solak works for the ringer. Nick, Nick and, Nick and, and, uh, Kairos go way back <laughs> a bit. That is pretty far back. Um, but Ben writer at the, uh, the ringer, we talked a little bit of Kyrie's Tonga and uh, enjoyed him as being a wall in a day three nose tackle prospect. So I'm not making him out to be Jordan Davis here. Don't get me wrong or Vita Vea, but mm-hmm. somebody who has a chance to earn a niche roster spot, uh, given his body type at a diminished position role position. Yeah, and right now, you know, he's signed to the practice squad. So when I said sign, he was signed as a practice squad player from the Chicago Bears. And we got some that that uh that post on the Facebook page on Atlanta Falcons fans on all Falcons on Facebook. Uh that's our Facebook page for those of you who are want to follow there as well. Uh it got a lot of play on that uh on that post and a lot of Chicago Bears fans coming in. Most of them were very um glorious isn't the right word they are congratulatory or you know they were very nice about it saying hey we went to a 4-3 this year and he just didn't fit in we're we're not all that happy we're losing this guy um he can play a little bit and you mentioned you know the lateral movement and you know in a 3-4 when you're when you're bringing someone like this in I don't need a ton of lateral movement I need an anchor I need someone who's just gonna hold the line of scrimmage and let your linebackers flow around him that's that's your job especially <clears throat> especially in the middle of that three, four, especially as the nose guard. And frankly, that didn't happen enough last year for the Falcons. Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, bringing in rush helped a bit with some movement for uh, up front there. And uh, Graham has played well. He's not a behemoth, but Graham has had some talent to and the he'll be an end. Yeah. And he'll, and be, he'll an be an end. end and he's looking yeah. really well. So that should help Grady Jarrett, who I still think fits better as a four, three defensive tackle than he does yeah. as a three, four end. Um, but that doesn't mean you won't see him more also in that three technique as a four, three defensive tackle, especially in pass rushing situations. And there's still plenty of snaps for that four, three defensive end. Look in when you're in sub a four, two, five, mm-hmm, exactly. the three technique position is, I would argue you're going to see that more than you are the actual four I or five technique that you're looking for in the three, four base, just given how football teams are playing nowadays, unless you are the Rams who are playing a, essentially a five, one, five, <laughs> but not many so, teams are doing that. Yeah, but it's uh, it was a signing I was pleased with. You know, it's a signing I like seeing, especially for the practice squad. Um, yeah, you know, coming in and and he's got a chance, I think, to get flexed up and down the roster several times early before they have to make a decision on him. Uh, Anthony Rush was okay last year, uh, but I, from everything you see coming out of Falcons camp and what you see at Falcons camp is that he's really improved. You know, he came in midseason, may have been not an ideal condition. Um. But they they held him out, you know. They held him out of uh, out of a lot of different uh, out of the preseason games and stuff. And he's healthy, so they've been they protecting him. He was a guy that they they really value. So again, Anthony Rush, Timmy Horn. Now you've got Tonga as a possibility in the middle of that three four. You've that's over thousand pounds. <laughs> you know you're going three thirty plus on average there, and I'm uh, I'm very very I'm pleased about that. We've we've talked about. You know, their hands are tied. Um, I've had this discussion a zillion times, but you've got $111 million in payroll of a of a possible 208 because of previous poor decisions from the previous regime. Your hands are tied. You've got to shop bargain bins and you want to get guys that are that they have you've heard uh, Arthur Smith say it. We have we have a lot of guys here that feel like they have something to prove. Uh, a lot of guys that are have been dismissed. It's a it's a band of misfits for the most part, mm-hmm. from the top, the, the quarterback. Marcus Mariota mm-hmm. has a lot to prove. He's on a, a one-year-ish deal. You know, the Falcons can bring him back, but if he doesn't perform, he he won't see the second year of that contract. So lots of guys. And as a, the stream has opened up a little bit, Joe has come in with a like on Facebook, and he is here as well. He says, Joe, uh, good morning, fellas. It's game week. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. Uh, I don't care if your game is on Monday. This is game week. The end of the week of the NFL is Monday night, not the beginning for sure. Uh, Gatorade Games says, good morning, Nick and Scott. Good morning. Appreciate you being here. Dominic Jaramillo coming in on YouTube says, uh, good morning, Nick and Scott. Dog Nation and Broncos country. 
Scott, since you live in Georgia, by any chance do you live around the Valdosta area? Her, area heard they have an excellent high school football program. <clears throat> Valdosta is um, a little bit like Notre Dame in that they had their glory years. Um, they're not what they were. Lowndes High School kind of overtook them. They built a second school in Valdosta. But Valdosta was famous for, you know, back in the day of recruiting and giving parents jobs and doing all that kind of stuff way back when uh, – they're down in South Georgia. So Valdosta is actually about three and a half hours from me. So it's a, it's a pretty good hike. Georgia is the biggest, uh, it's not West coast big, but it is the biggest state East of the Mississippi. And I'm closer Northwest Georgia, North side of Atlanta and Valdosta is down Southeast. So I go through there all the time because uh, going down to Florida um, for, for this and that my, my wife's from Florida. So I'm through Valdosta all the time. And a good friend of mine, um, Rance Gillespie, was the head football coach at uh, Valdosta High School for a few years. So it's a tough environment. It, it is. It's a tough environment. But it's a, it is a glorious high school football tradition uh, with Valdosta down there. Um, Terry Ocean Boy coming in. Terry Martin, appreciate you being here with the birds. Thank you for being here. And Jeremy also saying in, says, uh, stopping in to like and support the boys. Well, appreciate you, Jeremy. Glad you're here. Terry says he's from Florida. Yeah, there's there's not a whole lot of these people. The the folks down there might disagree, but you know, from South Georgia, North Florida, very very similar climate. Um, you know, a lot of a lot of similarities, a lot of similarities there. So doesn't surprise me that you're a Falcons fan, Terry. Coming up there, um, Roderick has a question though. That is one of the things we should have probably put in the header. Evidently, a first-string center has been chosen with Drew Dahlman uh, overtaking Matt Hennessy at the center spot. Uh, first thoughts? First thoughts on that. Uh, before I get to that, uh, Dominic says, I love Cush, uh, Coach Rush Probes. No, you don't. Nobody loves Coach Rush Probes. No one. No one. He's, uh, he's an unlikable person, Dom. <laughs> uh, so Roderick says back to NFL Dalman first choice you know what do you think what were your first impressions on this one I am pretty shocked that uh, Dalman is the starter because I thought Matt Henningsen was the better player when I watched the position wrong in wrong, wrong Matt Henningsen oh, Hennessy Hennessy that's gonna be your Pernell yep, that's gonna be mine issue yeah absolutely but uh, Matt Hennessy here pulled up the depth chart so I could get eyes on it I thought Matt Hennessy Looked better. Is there any injury information on Hennessy nope. or something that came out? It's just uh, just just won it. So um, it was a it was one of those. It was kind of strange. They were real secretive about it. Even when they said they announced one, they still had both of them practicing with the ones. It's it's kind of kind of weird because my first impressions on it were good because Matt Hennessy, PFF really liked him last year. Um, I, I didn't particularly think he had that excuse me that great a season last year. Yeah. Um, so to see him get, you know, beaten out, um, you've got a little bit more, you, you feel like you got a little bit more upside. It's like, okay, I know what Matt Hennessy is. He just got beat out. So you'd think there's an improvement there that Drew Dahlman is still on the upswing and, you know, he's got the pedigree. Um, for those of you who don't remember, he was acquired in the draft, in the draft trade the, with the Denver Broncos. Atlanta sent their number two pick for the Broncos' number two pick and their number four pick. With the pick that they got from the Falcons, the Denver Broncos took running back Javante Williams. I think they're pleased with that. With the two picks that the Falcons had with their number two pick, they took safety Richie Grant, which I liked at the time. There's still time for him to, to live up to that, uh, hopefully starting this year. And then Drew Dahlman, who was <clears throat> a little undersized, a little overpowered in the trenches last year, but now has earned a starting center position. So it looks like it could be a good a good uh trade for both teams really yeah uh absolutely he's definitely got a chance to do that i'm curious now does matt henny matt hennessy it's like it's, it's like it. just it's hennessy like the cognac hennessy, matt hennessy yes. is yeah, smooth yeah. like cognac yes hennessy uh does he get shopped now i know it's kind of late in the process for that but i bet you there's a coach that even though he's in the same division as you uh would love to have a formal former Temple player because he likes to collect every Temple and Baylor player that's ever played in the entire world. It was it was that um the over in Carolina. Yes. Yep. I was thinking more, and you don't want to do this in a vision, is uh 
the Tampa Bay Buccaneers lost some, lost two centers, yeah. I think. And, and it was, they may have both been season ending injuries. I know one of them was, was definitely. And the other one was, was close. Um, that, uh, but you know, I don't think they, they make that trade in division, but again, are, are you really in competition? You know, they, they, they talk a big game. Arthur Smith talks a big game, mm-hmm. but every move they've made for blast since they've been in charge for 18, 20 months, Terry Fontenot, general manager, and, you know, partnering with Arthur Smith, every move they've made has been building for the future. Um, yeah. Not necessarily, you know, not completely tanking. Otherwise, you wouldn't have, you know, put 12, $13 million into a quarterback this year with Marcus Mariota. But it's it's still, you're not really in competition with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers this year. Yeah. No, you're not. Uh, just a, it's a little surprising. And I think the Falcons are at a point, honestly, I mean, if you help Tampa Bay or Carolina a tad, but you're still getting draft capital back, I think you need to be thinking what's going to make, put you in the best position in 2023, 2024, uh, rather than what happens in 2022. So I I would be listening to offers, but Hennessy had a good enough uh, preseason. I thought that still some value there, even as a rotational uh, or not a rotational, but a depth piece on the interior. Yeah, He's, he's cheap. You know, he was, he wasn't a, a high draft pick. So he's, yeah. you certainly don't want to, I want both. I, I yeah. wouldn't be looking to shop. I, I I want both of those guys. They're both still young. Hennessy's entering his third year. Dalman is second year. Dalman played some guard. Uh, Hennessy can probably play some guard. So I'm, I'm interested in both those guys. And, and uh, Terry says, I'm not shocked. Uh, Dalman won the battle clear cut. Um, I don't, I don't know that it was that clear cut, but I'm not shocked. You know, again, I'm not, I'm not shocked. I didn't think Hennessy was very good. Um, no. last year I, I put out on Twitter. He's I'm like, not. listen, this whole battle, I'm not really bothered by it because neither one of them looked very good last year. I'm just hoping that a year of experience and the competition makes them both better. Uh, and may, may, have, and we'll see who comes out of it. Keith Robbins comes in, says, I'm a Falcons fan from Tampa. Yeah. That's one of the places again, I think, um, I looked it up. I could look it up again real quick, but uh, you know, all-time winning percentages of NFL teams. I think Tampa's last, um, and and the 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 Falcons are bottom three. You know, it's <laughs> it's it's not a it's not a glorious tradition of NFL football that we've got down here in the Southeast, and it didn't start. It's not nearly that long. I get that question a lot. You know, why is college football so much so much bigger in the South? Because there there wasn't pro football. You know, we don't have four generations of Green Bay Packers or New York Giants fans. Um, Falcons got here in the 60s and they were terrible. The next closest team was either Tampa six hours down the road or Cincinnati. And Tampa was an expansion franchise, too. Or the Bengals eight hours up the road. That was it. And then the Saints six hours west. You know, so the whole place of the southeast to get past those teams. I just went past Georgia, Auburn, Alabama, Florida, you know, I uh, Clemson, Tennessee, there's some some big, and then you know LSU. <laughs> yeah. Everybody everybody was college football fans down here for a reason. And then you know Alabama was winning a bunch of titles. That that helps draw a bunch of uh, a bunch of fans too. Michael yeah. Rankio coming in also on YouTube says good morning Scott and Nick on forging the Falcons. Good morning Michael, appreciate you being here. And Luke Wright as well saying good morning Scott and Nick. Well thank you fellas. Good morning to both of you guys. But yeah, no, uh, expectations now. Let's bring it back to Dolman. What are your expectations for Dolman then this season? Um, what were your thoughts on him coming out of Stanford? Obviously a fourth-round pick, um, drafted to be a more zone-centric center, and uh, also something that I think is a factor here. If it's close, Ty typically goes to the guy that the current regime picked. Matt Hennessy, Matt Hennessy, Hennessy bleh, um, was picked by the past regime, Um th- back uh, this is the year three where Dolman was this regime. And that typically uh, we're seeing in Denver old current regime likes the guys that they picked. Yeah. I want my guys. Um, yeah. I like Dolman's mobility for sure. At the point of attack, you know, Terry said he's a, a much better run blocker. Mm, I remember playing, you know, I did a, I did a, a video. We did a video on here where I cut up some clips of, uh, you know, I think it was against the Eagles, you know, where Dolman about got his back broken. You know, they're not all going to be Vernon Hargrave up there, but, uh, you know, he was, he wasn't strong enough at the point of attack. If that has gotten better, I really like his mobility. You know, obviously he's a, he's a smart kid coming out of Stanford. Um, you know, call that a, call that a, you shouldn't stereotype. Well, how do you think they become stereotypes? You know, I'm, I'm going to give him the benefit of the doubt on that one. 
but I do really like his uh, his mobility. And as Roderick says, his his dad was pretty good. He's he's got the pedigree there. It's not going to be too big for him. And frankly, I think having a left guard next to him and Eli Wilkinson that looks to be at least NFL capable, which I couldn't say that last year about Jalen Mayfield. Jalen Mayfield was not an NFL player last year. He just happened to be in the NFL. He wasn't ready through no fault of his own. He was drafted as a right tackle, 21 years old, 14 starts in college, and then he's chucked into the NFL left guard. It's not his fault that he wasn't ready, but he was not an NFL left guard. Eli Wilkinson might not be Chris Lindstrom, but he can play a little bit. He's 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 at least serviceable, a serviceable NFL offensive lineman, uh, which is a step up in a big way from what uh, what Hennessy was next to last year. So I think the combination of those three, Wilkinson, Dahlman, and Lindstrom, is going to form a much better core on that interior offensive line for the Falcons. Yeah, no, absolutely. I'm I'm excited. I think I'm most excited to see this Falcons defense this year. But I'm a defensive guy mm-hmm. at heart. But after having to watch their front seven last year. I mean, I clung on to AJ Terrell. <laughs> I really did. Uh, but having to watch their front seven last year and the Broncos defensive front, it was rough. Uh, I was only getting my, you know, strong guys in the front uh, defenses on Saturdays with the, the Hawkeyes. Now um, a lot of fun, young players coming up here and a lot of faster, a lot of youth, a lot more tools, the body types. I mean, even just watching the Falcons last year up front, you put them on. It's like, this is an NFL defense that the, the body types that they had up front were off I mean, as, yeah. as vain as that sounds. They just did not have the horses up there. And now you got some guys who are longer, leaner athletes that fit the rules and the athletic profiles that you want. So there will be ups and downs really. I expect the discipline, especially with some of the younger edges uh, to be erratic sometimes with run defense and fits, but uh, I'm, I'm stoked uh, to see the defense this year. And I'm glad that, Pease has some talent on that side of the ball because he was making lemonade out of stagnant, dirty water last year. It was uh, Kevin Mapp coming in on Facebook saying, good morning, guys. Good morning, Kevin. Appreciate you and appreciate you throwing down a like for us on uh, on Facebook. <clears throat> Hope you were doing well today. Yeah, you could tell by the end of the season last year, Dean Peace. I, I love Dean Peace. Um, yeah. There's a difference. <clears throat> we can get into this a little bit about, you know, the the combative attitude that Arthur Smith has adopted this preseason, you know, and, and whether that's a healthy thing for the Falcons, you know, I know a lot of Falcons fans love, man, I love it. I'm like, I get it. Trust me. I get it. I I laugh when I watch most of them. Um, but Dean peace is just, man, I'm only going to be around for one or more, two more years. And then I'm going to go fishing. I'm going to sell like it is. I got nothing to lose by the end of the year. Last year, Dean peace was just like, what do you want me to do? You know what? I, I we can't play man, so I can't send blitzes, and he'd call that pressure. I can't send pressure. Um, you know, and that was sometimes when it got a little contested. When how are you going to get pressure on the quarterback? And that just means put him under duress to some of us, but to him it meant using blitzes, blitz packages for pressure. I can't send pressure because we can't cover, and we don't get to him anyway. So <laughs> it's like now I've got less guys in coverage. And we're giving up the pass plays anyway. So, um, you know, he he did a, a fantastic job last year with that defense. And it, it kind of, towards the end of the year, started falling apart. And some of those stats started looking a little worse and worse and worse. But, man, he was he was putting that defense together with, with duct tape. I don't even yeah. know if it was duct tape because duct tape's strong and useful. I, I can't yeah. say that about a lot of the Falcons' front seven last year. Yeah. No, you are absolutely right. They should be better this year. It's still a young defense without probably I can't put a, you know, a star on any of the players mm-hmm. in the front seven right now. Haven't seen star star. I'm talking actual star level play from Grady Jarrett now from a few years and uh, linebackers. Deion Jones dropped a bit. Will we even see Deion Jones this year? Lord only knows. Probably not. And uh, the edges talent, but maybe not a superstar. Uh, either way, though, should be a much better defense this year. And hopefully Dean Peace will be a little bit more enjoyable on the podium as well. I've always enjoyed hearing him talk. The guy who I'm worried about now, and we might be coming to blows here pretty soon. Man, Arthur Smith is just curmudgeon as all get out. I mean, you can't even t- talk to him anymore. Like, I'm I'm sorry that he needs – I think – I don't have too much uh, sympathy for him because you need to have a positive relationship with the media because the moment you start slipping, it's going to be those people who are calling for your head because you've been a, you know, a horse's rump. Uh, to them. 
Yeah. You have something in your mind. He was, uh, this is Jeff Schultz. Jeff Schultz is asking about, you know, you've got um, – how much do you need to see from Desmond Ritter in order to make a decision on your quarterback for 2023? Which, you know, and, and basically, one, Arthur Smith hates getting asked about individual players. He hates it. If you want to find out about how Troy Anderson is doing, you better ask Dean Peace or if they put a linebackers coach up there on the podium once a week. Um, because Arthur Smith at best is just going to say, Oh, like all those guys are working hard. They're rookies. You know, we we're pleased with what we see out of them at worst. He's going <clears> to <throat> put you down for asking about a rookie and an individual player. Um, so this one asking about a rookie in 2023, how it fits in during game week, first game of the season was Jeff Schultz. Um, Jeff has a long reputation of being a little bit of an agitator. I think he's calmed down. But when he first got started with the Atlanta Journal-Constitution way back in the day when columnists were still a thing, um, he was kind of the agitator-in-chief uh, of one of those guys. And, you know, I, I appreciate it for him. But the Atlanta press is pretty soft. It really is. It really is pretty soft. But he asked him, how much do you need to see that Desmond Ritter in order to make a decision on your quarterback for 2023? Desmond needs to play for you. What was the question? How many games do you think Desmond needs to play for you to get an accurate assessment? I'm not answering hypothetical uh, fantasy football and um, that kind of BS, Jeff. I mean, it is hypothetical. Tell me, compare. So he he gets out after him. You can go argue with the bots. You can do these things, and then. And then uh, Mike, Michael Rothstein, who is with ESPN, who is new to the Atlanta beat, tried to follow up on him, follow up on it, and just basically saying, how much do you need to see out of Ritter? With the ones or twos this is all. painful, guys. Okay. It's absolutely – this is brutal. No, I, I just – This is brutal. Meant, you can get on a podcast. You can get online. You can argue with the clouds. You can argue with the, with the Russian bots. Don't care. Guys, we're trying to prepare a game to go win a football game. I, I'm at- and and that was just a, a short snippet. Um, and I agree with him there. I'm like, guys, you know, move on. I don't want to talk about the future of Desmond Ritter when when he's our backup quarterback and we've got the Saints coming up. I, I get it. I do. I I, I kind of laugh at some of these things again. But I, I've also said before, you can tell when a coach is in trouble when the local media who sits in that room starts writing some negative stuff because they're basically an extension of the team. I mean, they don't, they'll never admit to that and they'll deny it even, but they're an extension of the team. They it's pay to play club for you here. Sometimes the thing you, things you own end up owning you that credential, that access to the coaches and the relationships they have to build. They have to hold on to those or they, the credential could be removed. The coach can stop talking to them. So, they need to be favorable. They need to foster those relationships. So they're really, really nice. They they want that person to be able to. So as long as that person's going to be there, they're going to be pretty positive about things because they need the information and they need the access. Unfortunately, it's ten times worse in politics, and there's no, uh, there's there is no firing. Those people are there for freaking life. There's no term limits, so it's ten times worse in politics. But that's a different story. Yeah. But it's the same type of thing here where the, the Atlanta media is soft and and basically the people that are in that room is, in essence, an extension of the Atlanta Falcons PR. So, you know, ease up on them just a little bit, <laughs> Arthur, because we haven't even played a game yet, man. And we'll get to the second part of our discussion here, but you're not projected to have a really good team this year. You know, it it's... It's it could be a really long year. It really could be a really long year. And, and Jason comes in. He says he doesn't want to be seen as publicly supporting one player over another. Of course, of course. Um, and sometimes players need the need a, a public kick in the butt, and sometimes they need a little public love. I get that. Yeah. Um, but there's no reason to take that out on the people asking the questions. That's that's their jobs. Yeah, Scott. Yeah, it's Scott. So, uh, Mr. Smith. Um... What do you need to see from Desmond Ritter uh, this year to have a better evaluation for the quarterback position in 2023? And that came later. He's like, no, that's a better question. Yeah. I'm still not going to answer it, but at least you phrased it better. <laughs> yeah. I mean, and you can give a pretty political answer still too, you know, like 
we're preparing for week one right now. Uh, 2023 is way off yet. Also, while I make some, I have or some input on the personnel decide decisions. Um, I don't create the roster. Uh, Terry Fontenot does. And um, we're, we have a whole off season yet to evaluate. No, they'll, so, they'll say they're partners though. Yeah. They, partners. That's the one thing. Yeah. They'll, they'll, yeah. they'll say everything they do, they do together. And Ray comes in, he says, you know, to be honest, Arthur never answers real questions. Yeah. No, he doesn't. No. He doesn't. You get nothing no. from Arthur Smith um on these things you know it's it's straight coach speak unless he's being snarky yep. um but i i worry again i worry about him just a little bit because right now you know ray and ray and kevin and uh you know the, the falcons fans in here you know what are your expectations if you're if you've been listening to me you know the expect you you, you might kind of agree with me terry might not but the the you know the expectations for this team are low low so as Kevin says, when you're five and 12, you're going to need those guys to write some good stuff because there's people out there that think that this is a nine win team. This is a 10 win team. Oh yeah. As long as we make the playoffs, I'll be happy. I'm like, what? You know, you're, you're playing with half a squad out there uh, with a bunch of one year guys and, and, and guys on first and second year contracts. This is, this could be the bottom before you bounce back. You know, it, it probably will be. Um, and if you're already this angry with people who are basically nice to you, man, you know, these are your, these are your allies in the press, you know, wait until the talk radio gets a hold of you, you know, wait until, you know, the, the Colin Cowherds of the world or, you know, the Stephen A. Smiths, they start turning their eyes, you know, they're, they're not going to be nice about it. I promise you, you know, Jeff Schultz, Michael Rothstein, those guys are, um, Let's see who else. Josh Kendall. You know, those guys are on your side for God's sakes. Yep. Yeah. You got to be, I don't know, a little bit thoughtful with that, but again, he's in a position where he, I guess he feels empowered enough and safe enough in his job that he can, uh, you know, show himself. And, and also I haven't walked a mile in his shoes. I bet you it gets pretty tiring um, at this point of the season where you've had so many of the questions over and over again, yeah. some guys in the media or gals in the media that, just rub you the wrong way. And you've had to had questions for them now every day, pretty much for since God, June, uh, July. So ready for football and something new there. Um, and one of the things that I've always said also is you sign one contract at a, at a power five school or an NFL team, you're set for life financially. Mm-hmm. I'd like these guys to be more honest and not speak in just cliches and coach speak all the time. That's not what I'm really talking about, you know, because I just I don't think he needs to be so combative to the people in the room. That's all I'm saying, um, you know, and 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 they've said people have said, you know, we actually do have a good relationship despite what you see on camera sometimes. And I, I do. I believe that because you hear Michael Rothstein laughing that whole video. I put a three and a half minute clip on a, on my YouTube page. You hear Rothstein laughing. He's like, I don't I'm not even sure to answer this without I'm about to get my head bitten off you know, kind of like family. Cause it is that those folks spend hours daily, you know, together, um, in the press room. But, you know, I, I said that about Bo Pelini. It's like, why don't they all act like Bo Pelini, Bo Pelini and Steve Spurrier, those guys, they'll say it like it is. Cause they're loaded. Well, Arthur Smith's loaded on a whole other level. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, he's got, he's worth billions with a B. If you really get down to it, if we really start thinking about it and, you know, we wanted to do net worth and, you know, future assets and stuff, this dude's worth billions. Yeah. You know, he, he, he's not too worried about it. I just like, you know, just, it's, it's not a, it's not a great look for you. And if you come off this season and you're, you know, four and 13 and when it starts going bad, then, then it's, it's going to start getting ugly. So I asked Ray and Ray says, you know, we can win nine at least. Whew. I have a hard time finding nine wins on this schedule. I really do. Um, and he follows that up. He says, you know, imagine Ridley, London, and Pitts next year. Ray, we're, we're gonna buy you, I'll buy you a cup of coffee anyway. But if uh, if Ridley suits up for the Atlanta Falcons again in a regular season game, coffee's on me, brother. Um, that, that just ain't going to happen. No way. No way that happens. He was traded he- this year before he was suspended. Yeah. He was out. He was out the door this year before he was suspended. I hope he gets his life together. I'm worried about him in the human sense. Uh, forget football. So hopefully things get better for him. Um, but we'll see. And uh, we got Clee coming in nine wins with Mariota. That's hilarious. Hey man, you never know. The NFC South is not the AFC West. Uh, the t- 
Tom Brady looks somewhat skeletal this year. Uh, the Saints traded away one of their best defensive players, and who knows what their defense looks like with Dennis Allen taking on a more holistic approach to that team rather than just the defensive coordinator. And the Panthers, I mean, I don't know if there's a coach that is more in the clown outfit this season than uh, Rule. Uh, so <laughs> that is one that uh, you, you never know. That's six games right there where I think they got a chance. Obviously, Tampa's the class of the division, but Tom Brady's got to fall off eventually, right? And also, that's another team that has a power dynamic changed um, with uh, Bulls going up to the head coach now. So we'll be interesting to see the NFC South this year. Um, and finally, before we um, – I, I want to talk with this a little bit, Scott, as well. I know it's not exactly Falcons, but you're already talking about the Falcons being high. You had some power ranking stuff as well. Did mm-hmm. you get a chance to watch any college football this week? Uh, any of those blue chippers stand out to you that maybe, hey, how does this guy – maybe the Falcons are picking eight. This is a guy to keep an eye on, et cetera. Yeah, et cetera. I watched some. Um Who's our guy in the middle of the Georgia defense? Jalen Carter. Jalen Carter. Carter. Yeah. Okay. Oof. I'm like, yeah, I'll, t- I'll take him. Uh, God, he's unbelievable. Flat out. I'll take him. Yeah. Um, and I was like, I, I, I text you this quote because I was thinking it, watching Anthony Richardson from Florida play really well. Yeah. Uh, I was like, this is a lazy. And I, I didn't look up his stats to see if he was nearly as big um, as Cam. But I'm like, this is a really, really lazy comparison. I know it, but it doesn't mean I'm wrong. Watching him play, I was like, God bless. He looks like Cam Newton out there. He's tall. He's long. Cam was about 240 pounds. He's big. And he's like Steve McNair big. Um, But, you know, then he takes off and runs. And he just glides up that left side of that offense. Puts a little shoulder fake on guy. I'm like, this guy's got some wiggle to him, too. Yeah. You know, like a like a basketball move on him, you know, in the, in the open court. And Cam played basketball. He was a really good basketball yeah. player at Westlake. So I was like, yeah, okay. I'm 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 interested. Um, I watched Georgia probably the most, um, the most this weekend, um, as much as I could, cause that game got out of hand in a hurry. <laughs> yeah, it did. I was like, okay, I'm bored. I'm going to watch something else. Then I watched some, uh, you know, some Florida, Utah. Um, I like both quarterbacks. I like cam rising too. Cam rising. Yeah. Uh, definitely Jalen Carter, somebody to keep an eye on probably a top five pick in this upcoming draft. He stood out to me, did not get a chance to watch much. Alabama, I'm saving that one, but obviously you want to keep an eye on Will Anderson. I, I went back and watched Will Anderson from last year. It doesn't even look like he has many moves yet. Uh, he's just winning purely on leverage and speed and get off and just so much uh, speed to power. It's incredible. Um, somebody that stood out to me too, maybe if we talked to Anthony Richardson, I just looked up, he's 6'4", 235. About that's pretty size. close. Cam's, Cam's right in that neighborhood. He's a little bit taller, but that's... Yep. That's that's right in the same neighborhood. Proportionally, I mean, the God, I th- I think he's got a chance to go number one. Teams are looking for those playmakers at the quarterback position, and he looks like more of a playmaker with the body type than Bryce Young or C.J. Stroud. So I definitely want to keep an eye on Richardson. Got Mark Schrader coming in first. Good morning. Um, good to see you, Mark. We always appreciate you coming in and uh, supporting us. Always good to hear from you. Uh, the two other guys I did want to mention here, non um, – non-quarterback related. We'll see how that plays out. We also got Slappy Thorn coming in. What's y'all view of the Georgia Dogs? They look really good. And Number one. Gonna... Yeah. I mean, I... if you're if you're playing the game like you do now, the defending national champion just goes up and hangs 48 on a top Oregon. 10 team in their first game. Why wouldn't they be number one still? Yeah. I mean, if you're, if you're doing it that way, um, if I want to be more intellectually honest about it. I say this looks like a team that contend for another national championship. Forget the rankings. Yep. hundred percent. Really interesting. And we got uh, boy Bangley YouTube coming and say, I'm late. So I don't know if you guys talked about this. We want to talk to someone who looks like Cam Newton, KJ Jefferson from Arkansas. It's uncanny. The similarities. I don't think Jefferson as, as buttery as what we saw from Richardson, like Richardson glided for his sides. KJ Jefferson's a little bit more, I don't want to say clunky, but he play he plays like a bigger quarterback in that regard. He's definitely a fun athlete. Also, Richardson, I think, has a more natural throwing motion than KJ Jefferson. But hey, man, I need to go back and watch that uh Arkansas Cincinnati game. Congrats on beating the Bearcats if you are an Arkansas fan. That was a uh, a good game for them. I'm glad the uh the pigs won because that's always a fun team to follow there. So, yeah, there's no uh there's you know, Cincinnati, there's there that's a that's a big team nowadays yep. that's a that's a that's a good win for arkansas and the razorbacks and that's a team that's been devoid of a lot of big wins recently so congratulations to uh to to my razorback fans yep um uh, it's good good start to the season 
And a couple other guys I wanted to touch on here real quick that have been, I think, more blue chip players. And I'm going to have to get my blue chip prospect talk out here on the Falcons channel because the Broncos don't have any picks. But uh, <laughs> Peter Skaronsky over at Northwestern, uh, left tackle, had a crazy good uh, week zero versus Nebraska. Um, and he, I think he can play left tackle, he can play right tackle, he can play guard, he can play center. I think he's one of those guys who could really, he has the body type and the movement skills where he could play any spot. And you could always add a log to the fire of that offensive line for the Falcons long term. And the guy I really wanted to talk about here, who I thought was awesome on uh, Thursday Night Football, really enjoyed watching them. Didn't do any, uh, didn't give up anything really. Uh, Joey Porter Jr., cornerback from Penn State, long, athletic, NFL bloodlines with his dad being Joey Porter. Uh, Falcons could certainly use a long-term player opposite AJ Terrell, especially because AJ Terrell's contract is going to be upped massively here. You typically like to have for a position like that, one big guy being paid, and then one rookie uh contract kind of guy on the other side if you're doing that so little, uh, keep an eye on balance little yeah. balancing act there exactly so keep an eye on joey porter jr as well over at penn state so i wanted to talk a little bit about the uh about the projected win holder totals i'm gonna do this quick because the, the chat i like to let the chat dictate some of the conversations mm-hmm. here um and and they want to talk ridley and i want to i want to hit on this just a little bit too um the projected win totals for the atlanta falcons and i'll put uh I'll drop this in the chat. It was last in the NFC uh, at 5.2 wins from uh, Cynthia Freuland. Um, Freyland, I'm not sure how to pronounce her last name. Cynthia, I think I got right. Um, and it, it was a you know pretty intensive uh, simulation they ran that she does. And again, it's only as good as your input going in. Um, you know, the, the, for formulas, the phrase is garbage in, garbage out. So there's, oh, it's non-biased. It's simulate. Yeah, it's biased. You, you've got to, people have to rank everything and the difficulty and all those type of things. Um, so it, it is biased, um, but it's 5.2, which put them second to last just ahead of the Texans and um, behind the Jets for 31st. The NFL power rankings on NFL.com have the Falcons 31st. Um, and, you know, the variance on this one, you know, Nick, I've talked to you about it before. Like the first team I look for when I look at these power rankings to see whether I should take them seriously is I look for the Miami Dolphins. I'm like, I feel like there's a huge variance on the Miami Dolphins um, from where they are and, you know, where they were last year to where people are putting them this year. And they had the Miami Dolphins at nine wins, but their ceiling was 10 and their floor was five. I'm like, yeah, okay. <laughs> I can move with that. That's a, that's a lot of, uh, a lot of variance there. And I, th- that one, that one makes more sense to me, but it, it could be a long season. Now, um, want to get back to here, uh, with, with Calvin Ridley, you know, Ray, Ray had said, I'd rather keep Ridley for cheap. He's a legit number one. Uh, and he lost all of his trade value. Um, Nick, what do you think on this? Since I've been talking for a while, I got thoughts, but I've monopolized the mic. For Calvin Ridley, yeah, the trade value for him has got to be next to nothing. I mean, he's an older player. He's been out of football now for almost two years. Um, then that, yeah, it'll be it a year coming be. up on Halloween, and then he's suspended for this year. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, so I think right now I've, uh, Ray is <laughs> correct that – you probably hold on to him and see what happens because even if he shows just a little bit, he's like, Oh yeah, I remember that guy and you might get something for him. But I, I don't know now with the whole scandal surrounding him as well with, uh, there's some big Mariah Carey is involved too, man. What the hell is going on? Uh, but, uh, it's, it's tough. It's tough for him. He's also going to be older. He's approaching that. What is he going to be? 29 years old. This He'll year? Be, it was, it was going to be set up where his second contract would kick in in his age 30 year. If he got one. Which is rough. Um, I mean, he's the type of player where the route running and skills, those should at least translate the early 30s. He's not just like a pure, like, I am big, fast, strong, and his body's going to break down uh, because of the hits kind of guy. But definitely, it's a uh, it's a rough situation. And I'm, again, football is secondary for me for Ridley right now. I hope he gets his stuff together and can live a okay life because it's just one thing after another with him at this point. And this the scandal uh, surrounding him is wild. Which doesn't help. That's that's no. another reason, you know, that you you wonder how much they they're going to want him around. But Ray, he's he's not cheap. He's he's if if they keep him, he's on eleven million dollars for a number one. That is cheap. But for this team next year, they, they could they could keep that. But he he would be on eleven million dollars now. I don't think that they're going to have to pay that. They did pick up his option. It was supposed to be all guaranteed. 
So for him to be cheap, they would have to get out of that contract and re-sign him for cheap. He ain't re-signing with the Falcons. No freaking way. He'll take a vet minimum. He'll take a million five for a one-year deal and go play somewhere else. He's not re-signing with the Falcons, and the Falcons aren't re-signing him. Um, you know, and Chris says, you know, I don't, I don't think he's going to play again. Chris Walker, welcome in, Chris. Good to see you. He said he quit on his team. He's supposed to be a professional, and his behavior definitely wasn't one. Um, whether he quit on his team, you know, all that stuff with the the mental health break and all that. The, the problem with all of the news that's come out since then just discredits everything that led up to him being out last year anyway. You know, it's like, oh, you needed a mental health break. Is that because you're acting like a child? You know, you're, you're getting into all this stupid stuff and you just didn't want to play. It, it's just, it discredits it. And there's, you know, there's kind of a, a third rail. If someone says mental health, like, Ooh, no questions. We can't ask any questions about this. Well, by God, if I'm paying a guy $6 million, I got questions. You know, I'm, I'm not paying him that. So I'm willing to give them the benefit of the doubt, but just crying mental health shouldn't be a get out of jail free card. Uh, you know, and, and it's just, it discredits the people that really do need it. You know, that need the help that need the break when, when someone's just, Oh, I need a, I need a mental health break, man. We all could use a break. You know, we, we get that. But Calvin Ridley has been bad news for this team since the beginning of last year. He ain't coming back. He's he's not playing for the Falcons again. That one, that one, I'll I'll, I'll say I'm wrong when I'm wrong, but I don't think I'm going to be wrong. Yeah, definitely, it's a uh, it's a bummer. And I wonder if the mental health you know break stuff had to do with this uh, scandal at the same time going on. Who knows? Or, who knows? Yeah, yeah there'll be a. <laughs> There'll be an ESPN 30 for 30 at some point on this, probably, or yeah, something. Being targeted but... by local gang members as celebrities. <clears throat> um, yeah. yeah, and, uh, you know, and, and Skyline says people like make mistakes, and, you know, they learn from and become better from said mistakes, you'd think. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but it's a short timeline for an athlete. You know, you can make mistakes as a, as a growing adult. I Trust me, I've got several. And it can take several years to, to learn and wisen up and do all those things but during that time i might go from 28 to 32 and now my body isn't ready to play at that level you know so it's a it's a short window for athletes and then you got to wonder again there's a there's a scale of talent to how much crap i'm willing to put up with you know the more the talent the more you're willing to put up with that's universal in sports in anything really it's like well he's an asshole but he's really good so we we abide the fact that he's a problem so yeah, I hope it all comes together for him. I don't wish any ill will on him. I just don't think he's ever going to suit up for the Atlanta Falcons again. And I'm fairly confident in that prediction. Yeah. Yep. And uh, we got Ethan coming in, getting us out of here with 25 pounds saying good shows, gents. Uh, thank you so much, Ethan. We appreciate you. Uh, hope you're doing well and hope you can enjoy some Troy Anderson linebacker play for the Falcons this year when eventually he probably takes over is starting role because I know you've been craving uh, some highly athletic linebacker play and uh, come watch some Falcons, I guess, if you want that this season. Although Jonas Griffith, pretty good athlete. He's good. Sounds like he's going to be ready week one for the Broncos. Yeah, I'm rich again. And, and yeah, and we, we I've chatted with Ethan today because uh, I am probably booking my ticket to London for Broncos Jags. It's Jaguars, right? Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, yep. for, for Halloween weekend uh, today. I have to jump through some hoops and hack the system a little bit to get there uh, under price, but I've never been to Boston. So I think I'm flying through Boston to get over there. So I'm going to kind of kill two birds with one stone. I think that's of the top, like 25 markets in the United States. It's like the only one I haven't been to. So I'm looking forward to, to going to, to Boston, even if it's just to say hello at the airport for a little bit. Um, and Richie Rich says, I just want to know when Dion Jones is gone. Uh, it might be now, you know, <laughs> we've got about five or six more minutes where we have to go. Deion Jones might be gone now. Um, he's put on short-term IR after playing in the preseason. I think Arthur Smith said, ah, we just didn't think he was ready mentally or, you know, these guys. And he said they. He didn't single anybody out. The five guys that were put on IR, dealing with some stuff, gave him a shot. We just didn't think they were ready. All right. Well, if you're that worried about your $20 million linebacker, you don't play him in the third game of the preseason. You don't even test it. You handle him the way... Shaquille Leonard's being handled at Indianapolis. Go watch, um, you know, surf around a little bit and go watch some of the things that Frank Reich, head coach there, talks about with Shaq Leonard. 
you know, how they're handling with kid gloves and what a professional he's been. And he's done everything in the world and we can't wait to see him back, but we're not going to rush it. All of those things versus, eh, he wasn't ready and we're played him in the third game of the preseason. And now he's going back on our, and we might not see Deion Jones again either. He will not be here next year. He will not be here in 2023. Uh, of, of hot takes on that one, uh, that's another one I feel pretty confident about. You can't afford to waive him this year because it would actually cost you money because of the dead cap number. Um, but uh, next year, his dead cap number goes from $25 million to five to $5 million. He's toast. He's got an $18 million cap hit in 2023 with a $5 million dead cap hit in 2023. He's gone. The question is, do we see him at all again this year or not? I'm not counting on it. Uh, anything we get out of Deion Jones at this point is is just a bonus. Yeah. yeah I'm surprised that he was not traded prior, uh, but uh, there's a lot of stuff going on there. The injury timing. It would be nice to get some value uh, for a few of those players. You can't trade him. You'd yeah. have to he had a $9 million salary. No one's paying and a $5 million roster bonus, which no one's paying. So to even break even on that, you needed someone to at least pick up $5 million to pay him 5 million and then send you a pick. Otherwise you're actually losing money. You're, you're would, losing money on your cap. Would it be worth it? Given the, the situation of this team this year, you're already eating a bunch of dead cap, uh, get him off the books, create a roster spot and uh, get a, an additional draft pick. I mean, that's a question that might be worth it. Yeah. Again, you can't do it now. You can't do it for anything less than $5 million in cash though, because yeah. you don't have the salary cap room for it. Yeah. You would actually, yeah. you, you, so you, you have to, to have space. somebody that's willing to send you something and 5 million. Yep. Um, you know, so a six rounder and we'll, we'll, we'll pay $5 million of his salary. Okay. Yeah. I'd probably do yep. that. I'm breaking even and I'm getting a six round pick out of it, yep. but anything less than that, you can't afford to do it because it costs you extra money on the salary cap. That's, yep how horrendous these contracts have been. It's just maddening. It, uh, it's borderline criminal. If I had lost this much money, I mean, dead cap money, that's money you've already paid. Yep. That's just gone. It's not even just gone. It's still hurting you. I'm still paying on it. I'm still having to pay on that money. It's like I burned the house down, but I still have to make the payments. I can't live there. Someone else is living there. They've rebuilt there, but I still have to pay on the, on the, the mortgage. Ugh. That's horrible. So yeah, uh, Richie Rich, it's it's horrendous. If I had, it's it's like criminally negligent how bad Dimitrov was with this team. Yeah, just maddening. It's not just it doesn't just make me mad as an Atlanta person. It makes me mad as you know a someone with some sense and who wouldn't get a chance to waste that much money in my entire life. I'm like, good lord. Yeah. Uh, if, if, if you've learned anything in this podcast, it's to make sure that, you know, we're, 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 we're throwing daggers at Thomas Dimitrov. <laughs> On that note, Nick, um, what is the rest of your day looking like? I know you're getting started here. I'm going to take a dog for a walk, cook some breakfast and get on into work and be back in tonight for mile high insiders. So full day podcast in the morning, podcast in the evening, cook dinner tonight, and then bed and we'll be see you again tomorrow morning. All right. Well, uh, before we get out of here, I want to say thanks again to Ethan, our uh, our super chat superstar today, closing us out on the show. Love you, brother. Uh, thanks for thanks for being here for us uh, on on such a regular basis like this. And uh, like I said, we we our regular scheduled program is Monday morning eight forty five. We will have a reaction. We will have a reaction to a game. Won't that be fun? Monday morning and then Wednesday, forging the Falcons as usual. But this Friday, we're kicking off with uh, the new series of Behind Enemy Lines, and it will be with Kyle Mosley of the New Orleans Saints. We'll be here at 2 p.m. Uh, Eastern, live on YouTube and Facebook. So that's when I'm hoping to see everybody else when they get here. So until then, we'll see you next time.